that is the strongest messaging we can provide for a product in my view is pure functionality it does the job incredibly well it lasts and we can do that and talk about that Hello, my name's John Higginson, and I'm on a mission to revolutionise communications by focusing on the power of purpose. This week, I'm joined by Simon Terry, Joint Managing Director of Anglepoise. Anglepoise have been producing lamps for 90 years, featuring their iconic spring design derived from a car suspension. From those of you who are younger, it's the lamp that made, made famous by Pixar, but for others of us, they are simply the most iconic desk lamp. Users have included the late Queen, Picasso, Lloyd George, Jim Callahan, and James Bond. Simon is the fifth generation of the Terry family to work at Anglepoise, which was invented by his, is this right, Simon, great-great-grandfather, Herbert Terry? Or have I gone too far there? Well, he, he, was, he, was the, he was the first to make it, actually. It was a gentleman called George Carwardine who actually invented it. Great. Sorry, sorry to correct you there, John. No problem. Well, before his role as MD, Simon was Head of Innovation and Brand Director, responsible for developing products and pushing forward the Angle Poise brand. Simon, thanks so much for joining me. Before we talk about Angle Poise, I thought it'd be good to talk about who you are and how you got to where you are today. So just tell us a bit about that journey. Wow, that's that's a deep question. And thanks for the fantastic introduction, by the way. My head always swells up when I hear hear things like that with Picasso and the rest of it. Um, I suppose for me, my journey really began in business terms where I started in something completely different than what I'm doing today. I actually started, um, have, I did a sort of visual performance course at university, so really played on the artistic side. Then I moved into um, being a runner in a post-production house, so moved through things like video editing, commercials, ending up in uh, tape-to-film transfers, so all the sort of Coca-Cola adverts you used to see in the cinema, I did a lot of those, and then ended up in visual effects, actually, and all the way through my journey, it really taught me, you know, the importance of people, um, the importance of the tea lady. It may sound strange, but if you're rude to the tea lady, you'll never work on set again, so it taught me some really interesting things around respecting people and and you know looking for inspiration in different places so that's that's where i really started and really for me on the anglepoy side it was um one day really down the pub when my father said to me look i'm no longer interested in the company i'm thinking of selling it i know you've got your own career in visual effects and and very successful career doing that I know you won't be interested, but I just wanted to let you know. And I just sort of went, well, hang on a minute. I'll, I'll give it a go. So that's really where it was started. So I started from no business experience. And, yeah, I think the reality soon hit of, yeah, what's involved in running a business and doing the rest of it. Now, um, I'll let the listeners know. Simon and I have known each other for a number of years, actually. And I remember talking to you previously, Simon, Um about the business a bit and we talked about various different things from mental health for anything else and back then you were really just talking about the tagline which you've now adopted for angle poise which is abandoned darkness um how's that gone down because i know that with a brand like angle poise where you've got these people that are really really kind of super fans 
um, you've got this brand that you want to make changes to, or you might want to make changes to, but you'll have these people out there that might be quite traditional. And how's it all gone down? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I mean, I think from me, from a brand point of view, we can almost get too het up in our own self-importance. And I think actually to the people that know us, it, it probably hasn't much made much difference. I mean, a lot of people said to me, I really like it. It's really different. I mean, and it's designed to be that, you know, we're not interested in creating a, a tagline. This for us is what we would call a movement line. It's something we aspire to forever. So that these words will never change. Um, they are set, they're trademarked, and we'll be using them in 100 years' time. And I think that is quite different than other businesses that taglines come and go every kind of five years. Um, so I think that's important. So I don't really think a lot of people haven't noticed. And the ones that have, I suppose they're just sort of intrigued. But I, but I do think a lot of the time with things like this, it just becomes wallpaper to people because we see so many things and in front of us. But I've had some very positive comments and you know, it, I, I think it, it really sets the tone for us, not just in the products we make, but who we are as a company, our culture, our purpose, and everything behind that. It kind of just fits where we're going as a business and what we stand for, which is, you know, long-term thinking in a in a short-term world, really. Great. Well, that brings us also onto something else that we had uh, spoken about before, and that was your lifetime guarantee, uh, which you've now brought in. Um, how was that? I know that at the time there were people in your organization that you had to convince. There was a bit of an internal uh, uh, job there to convince people that it wasn't going to bankrupt you as a as a uh, company to introduce this a proper full lifetime guarantee. And I know, Simon, it comes from some of your own uh, belief in, in companies such as yourself really being part of the solution. The reason you're doing this is because you believe that things should be circular you, you, you're angry about uh, built-in obsolescence uh, that, that, that come with some other products. But how hard was it to get people to uh, buy into it? And and, uh, and 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 how far are you from bankruptcy now as a result of having this uh, promise? That's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, where you started off there, um, what I sort of realised at the starters, and it's been growing for me in the company for years, was was the realisation that, you know, we are all part of the problem. And I think you then pause and think about that for a minute. And it's 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 not nice to know you're part of the problem. And we've been the part of the problem since 1855, churning out industri- industrial wares, pressing springs. So we're massively part of that problem. But then if you stop a second, you realize you're perfectly placed to be part of the solution. And that is quite empowering for for all of us, actually, because we're all nodes. So everything links into us. So we can change the very things we, we make, we grow, we ship, we sell, we consume. So for me, that was the real realization that we, we could be different. Um, and it was almost like this thing, you know, we want to make products that last a lifetime and beyond. That, that was kind of our mantra. We've already been making products for, you know, 100 years. Our products, some of them have lasted for 100 years. We still repair and look after. So really, it was quite natural to say, that's what we wanted to do. But but I think the important part then after that is, and this is what most companies don't do, you need to put your money where your mouth is. So out there today, where are the lifetime guarantees? If people say this product lasts for 25 years, where's the guarantee? 
So for us, it was really important to say, we're going to do this and it's going to last a lifetime and beyond. And we issued the guarantee. Um, but it was also, you, you talk about thing about the bankruptcy. Actually, it was probably more my friends and business acquaintances who looked at me and said, well, what are you doing, Simon? Because your liabilities and all the rest of it. Um, but actually, a lot in the internal team was, well, we've got the numbers. Actually, we do create products we care about. Um, and actually, look at our returns rates. They are very low. So if you look at it in those terms, actually, it's a really good business decision for us. Um, and one we can really hang our hat on. So for me, it's it's been something that hasn't done that. And in fact, it's it's been the opposite. It kind of forces us as a business to keep making proper products. So it's almost, it drives the right behaviors, if you like, in our company. And I think that's what's really important. Great. Well, this 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 podcast is all about communicating purpose. And I always say to uh, our clients, you can't simply communicate purpose. You have to get under the skin. It it has to be something that is true to you as an organization and that you truly believe in. You can't just put a veneer over the top. And that's where companies get caught out with greenwashing and all the rest of it. How important are the principles to uh, Angle Poise as a business? Oh, I think our, you know, our principles are absolutely embedded into who we are into our culture into everything we do so we reinforce them at compass meetings you know four times a year we we refer back to them every time we have a difficult decision we come back to our values we really try and understand them so you know authenticity authenticity leadership excellence legacy all of these types of things we live and breathe them um and what we find as well within our team and with our people, it's not just living and breathing at work, it's also living and breathing at home because actually these types of values are just reflective of being a better citizen, if you like. They're reflective of being a better, a better parent, a better son, a better, you know, helper of people in your community. And and we really do believe in that. And and I've certainly seen a huge change in our in our people and in our culture and the way people behave has been amazingly impressive behind it. And it also has the added benefit of building, um, I think a lot more emotional resilience in us all to deal with things and to deal with things together as a team. So yeah, for me, this, this runs deep, this runs to the core. And what I always sort of say to my guys is look, you know, we, we are a family business historically, but now we're in the business of families. And, and I believe that without our people and without the families behind our people, we are nothing as a company, a brand, a name. So it runs very yeah. deep for us. I think you're getting towards this, but what are you most proud of um, achieving during your time leading Angle Boys? Um, I think for, for me, what I'm most proud of is, is just seeing the people around me grow. I mean, I think I learned early on that, you know, as a great leader, uh, you, you've got to let people surpass you. You've got to let people that are better than you come in the business. And it's hard to let go initially. And obviously 20 years ago, I was doing an awful lot in the company. And now letting people do that has, has been difficult for me, but watching them succeed, watching them thrive and watching many of them still at the company today, thriving has been incredibly rewarding. So I get an awful lot from that. Um, but then I think on the other side, who we sort of connect with and work with. So, 
for me, people like, you know, Sir Kenneth Grange, who I met 20 years ago and invited him to become design director. That has been incredibly important to me personally as a friend, as a sort of actually, a, you know, a very strong father figure in my life. I believe you can have multiple father figures. I'm incredibly proud of that relationship. And that's one that I care deeply about. Um, but also our, a lot of our collaboration partners, whether it's with Margaret Howell or Paul Smith, or all these people, or more recently, the National Trust, within these groups and organizations, there's some fantastic people. So for me, it's, yeah, it's all about the people that, that I'm most proud of and the associations and the growing of the Anglopoise family. Great. What are, what are some of the media that you uh, read yourself or watch or swipe through? Um, for me, media-wise, uh, to be honest with you, I try and keep away from everything social media um, and as much media as I can in terms of the news because I, I fundamentally believe, you know, control the controllables. So, you know, what's the point of filling your head with things you can't do anything about? So I spend a lot of time, whether it's um, reading about trees, biophilia, I'm reading a lot of that sort of stuff at the moment, a lot of things. I've had recently a lot of interest in, in Rob Hopkins around transition towns has really sort of inspired me. And a lot of sort of understanding the sort of Japanese way of repair and Kintsugi and all this sort of stuff. I think there's some fascinating insights into Japanese culture I learn and, and look at a lot. So that's where I get, I suppose, most of my most of my input. Now, now, your background, as you pointed out at the start of the uh, podcast, is very much in TV, which is a you know form of communication and messaging. How do you think that's helped helped you, and how important do you think messaging and uh, communications is for an organisation such as yours that actually, you know, in an old fashioned way, makes things? Well, I think, yeah, messaging is everything because at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to sell the image of a product to sell a product. So you have to create the want, you have to create the desire in a product like ours. And so it's all those associations, all those little connections build up a quite complex web of understanding and emotional connection to an object, which is actually quite a difficult thing to do. But it, a lot of it for us has been done by the past, the historical context of the of, of our lamp. We're, we're very lucky to have this iconic status um, sort of almost given to us by the way people have warmed to the product over the years. You know, you can't buy that kind of status. It's something you have to earn and you can't really force it. So that's something that I think helps helps us a great deal. But but in terms of messaging, I think is again the simplicity of messaging. So I think too many people try and get too complicated with it. So for us, our simple messaging now is, you know, we produce products that last a lifetime and beyond. And here's the guarantee to back it up because that is the strongest messaging we can provide for a product, in my view, is pure functionality. It does the job incredibly well. It lasts. And we can do that and talk about that because we are the source of authority for these type of lights. We are world experts. Um, and so it's been confident with that messaging, but not ar arrogant with it. So I think, again, the tone of voice is, as, as you'll know in your game, is incredibly important of how we talk about it to give that that sort of sentiment and that sort of feeling what do you think will be the biggest challenges for angle poise in the future um i i think the biggest challenges are you know because we're not a big company so i think what you see is a lot of designer brands being bought out and turned into 
big companies to 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 survive and have a lot more power. I think for us, it's sticking to that that sort of niche uh, where you sort of you do have to work hard to keep relevant because there are brands that just disappear because they they have to keep relevant. So I think the biggest danger for us is is not keeping relevant, but that I think is resolved by being very close to your customers, really understanding your customers' needs and requirements, but also also like that, you know, keeping sticking to your principles of growing the core, grow grow what made you important. Don't go too far from your core. That's really important. And it's also the the words of David Hyatt always ring out, which is you know do one thing well. And I think that's something. Too many companies try and diversify too far to look for business rather than just improving what they have and what is their source of authority. So for me, if we lost sight of that, I don't think we ever would. Um, it's just doing what we do better and better each day. That's what we need to do. Well, that's a great um, lesson for other business people. Um, if you could share one message with our listen- listeners, what would it be? Um, well, I suppose the, the message right, probably right now, relevant with everything going on in the world is um, really, again, I think it's control the controllables for me, which is you know, that there's so, there's so many multiple parameters going on in the world that you can't focus on everything and draw up a plan. So all you have to do is understand the, uh, the parameters and, and know when the time is right, how to adopt them and need them, because otherwise you're just like a rabbit in the headlights and you're not going to move forwards. Also, what I'd say within that, you can think your thing yourself out of doing things rather than actually keep walking into it, walk towards the light. I think it's incredibly important, um, not blindly, but with that notion that I'm just going to, because you need to go into things to, to feel them, to sense them. So if you're always at distance, you know, you're never going to truly feel them, so you're never really going to know. So I'm not saying you're going to get burnt, but you can, you know, you can warm the fingers a bit before you decide, no, I'm not going to do that. Simon Terry, Managing Director of Angle Poise, thank you for joining me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose. Thank you very much. Thank you.